0: The following message was recorded at Shades Valley Community Church in Homewood, Alabama. For more information and resources from Shades Valley, please visit us at shadesvalley.org. When Jonathan uh, emailed and asked me if I would come speak, I was, I was really, um, gosh, I was just overjoyed. I thought, wow, I wasn't expecting it. I didn't realize it was the 30th anniversary. And I read the email, and I think I knew within just a couple of minutes that the thing I wanted uh, us to talk about this morning and think about this morning is the faithfulness of God. Because looking back over my 18 years here and now the 30 years of Shades, I really can't think of any other reason why we're here. I can't think of any other reason why the congregation is still here. Uh, I certainly can't think of any other reason why this place of worship is here. And uh, I can't think of any other reason why the church will continue to bless and minister in the community than just the faithfulness of God. And so this morning I just thought we'd take a few minutes and look at some of the aspects of God's faithfulness from Scripture as I began to think about this. Um, First of all, we all know that God is faithful, right? Right. We all know that God is faithful. Scripture is full of reminders of this reality for us. For instance, Deuteronomy 7, 7 7-9, a very familiar verse. The Lord did not set His heart on you and choose you, because you were more numerous than other nations. For you were the smallest of all nations. Rather, it was simply that the Lord loves you, and He was keeping the oath He had sworn to your ancestors. That is why the Lord rescued you with such a strong hand from your slavery and from the oppressive hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Understand, therefore, that the Lord your God is indeed God. He is the faithful God who keeps His covenant for a thousand generations and lavishes His unfailing love on those who love Him and obey His commands. No, your God is a faithful God. Lamentations 3.23 is a very familiar verse to most most of us. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercy never ceases. Great is your faithfulness. In 1 Corinthians 1.9, we're reminded that God is faithful who has called us into the fellowship of His dear Son. 1 Corinthians 10.13, we're reminded that God will not allow us to be tempted beyond what we are able to endure. But with the temptation, will provide a way of escape also. That God is faithful. And in 1 Thessalonians 5.24, uh, which Joe just read, the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. So we get to live our lives under the umbrella Of a a faithful God and I want to just touch on several aspects that I think are important if we're really going to understand his faithfulness and the first one is he's he's faithful to his person God is faithful to his person he he is who he is he cannot act contrary to his nature he cannot be unfaithful now I could look around the, the, the crowd today and I could point out a lot of people and I could say He's a faithful man. And she's a faithful woman. And that's the character trait of their life. But I know that with every person, including myself, there's a capacity for unfaithfulness. Given a certain situation, given the wrong circumstance, there's a capacity for unfaithfulness. But that is not true of God. God does not have a capacity for unfaithfulness because... He cannot act contrary to His nature. So, we understand God is faithful to His person. And so, He is reliable. He is dependable. He is is trustworthy. Uh, As James says, with Him, there's no variation or no shifting shadow. He is who He is. The second thing I thought about when I was just thinking about the faithfulness of God is how and you know this, He's faithful to His promises. Scripture says that, that in Jesus Christ, all the promises of God are yes to the glory of God the Father. And so, His Word is filled with promises that we can take to the bank, that we can believe. Uh, like the old saying, God said it, I believe it, and that settles it for me. God's our promise-making God, and He's a promise-keeping God. So he's faithful to his, his, his person, and he's faithful to his promises. Numbers 23:19 is a, just a favorite verse. "God is not a man, so he does not lie. He's not human, so he does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? Now we, again, we, we have the capacity to make our promises to be bless you thank you you. we have we have the capacity to make our promises with good intentions to have every intention to carry out what we have said Um, and yet we have the capacity to mess up but that is not that's not true of God so he's faithful to his person he's faithful to his promises and and the the place where I want to spend a few more minutes this morning is that He's faithful to His personal Word. God is faithful to His personal Word. And by personal Word, I mean that Word He speaks to a believer or to a group of believers about what He wants to do and how He wants us to do the ministry He has called us to. When I think about a a personal word, I think about a word that goes beyond chapter and verse. It's the the details. We we might say the devil is in the details, but really the Lord is in the details. And so we we can take a command like, love your neighbor as you love yourself, but that doesn't tell us how to love our neighbor. It doesn't tell us how this particular neighbor might feel loved. We may do something that we think is loving, and it doesn't feel loving to them at all. It just feels good to us. And so, you know, I remember when we were considering uh, this property, and we we're meeting over at the warehouse. We we're considering this property and stepping into it, and where was the Lord leading us? I mean, we were we were praying for you know over several several year period, and One of the big questions was, well, why do we want that building? There there were those of us who were already older enough that we didn't need the headache of a building. We didn't need the responsibility. We didn't need the financial burden. We had, in Robin Rosser's favorite phrase, been there, done that, got the t-shirt. But we looked at the next generation, and we we looked at our our children and and grandchildren, and said, what do they need? That That was a compelling question. Another compelling question was, what does the community need? And we ask ourselves this, if Shades Valley didn't exist in 10 years, how would the people of West Homewood miss it? Would they miss it? And if they missed it, how would they miss it? We knew that we would miss it. It would be our church home, it would be our church family. But the question was, how would the community miss it? And when you, when you track back on that question, and you see it led to asking God to fill in the blanks. We knew we wanted to minister to our Jerusalem. But we needed the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us how. And the process of that really was bringing a guy by the name of Ron Pate, who would spent his life in community development. And he began a small group uh, study on titled, What is Good?, And out of the what is good, that small group was birthed the concept of an idea of the farmer's market. That this is a way that we as a church could begin to integrate with and support and get to know our our community. And so what I'm saying is this personal word that God gives us answers the how. We already know the what. It's clear in scripture, in mission. But this answers the how. How? How do we go about it? And the Holy Spirit, you know, we know it's our privilege as believers to be led by the Spirit of God. Romans 8.17 tells us that, that all who are led by the Spirit are their children of God. And we're divided to walk with the Spirit and to keep in step with the Spirit and to be filled with the Spirit. And the Spirit helps us because He guides us. I've been impressed in reading in the Psalms uh, how often this issue of God guiding us, leading us, showing us the right path keeps emerging even in in the Psalms. Uh, Psalm 32.8, the Lord says, I will guide you along the best path for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. Psalm 37.23, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in... Every detail of their life. Isn't that incredibly encouraging? He delights in every detail of our lives. And Psalm 73:24, you guide me with your counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny. And so the Holy Spirit wants He wants to guide us, He wants to tell us the direction we should go. And we need to know that beyond chapter and verse. And so God is faithful. He's faithful to His personal word. Three, three things I want to mention that are essential to being able to follow God's direction and understand His personal word. The, the first is a listening heart, or what we might think of as humility. 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 9, Solomon, the Lord comes to him, says... Ask ask me for whatever you want and I'll give it. Whatever you want, I'll give it. And Solomon says, give me an understanding heart so I can govern your people well. That that phrase, understanding heart, means a discerning heart and it means a listening heart. Solomon's saying, Lord, what I want more than anything else is a heart that will listen to what you're saying so that I can do what you're saying. So humility, and Matt and Lisa touched on this in their prayer, humility is when we want to hear what God is doing and do that, follow God and what He is doing, more than deciding what we want to do and asking God to come join us and bless us. So if if we're going to be able to receive a personal word as a church, as a congregation, as individuals, it starts with humility. The second condition, of course, not surprising, is unity. Because unity sits on or is built on the foundation of humility. In unity, we're able to listen to how God is speaking to others. No, we don't come in just with our convictions, our ideas, our plans, what we think is right. But unity creates an atmosphere for Creativity, for consensus, for collaboration, for all that good stuff. Because the Holy Spirit is alive and working through every believer and everyone is making a contribution. As each part does its own special work, Scripture says, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is growing and healthy and full of love. And So there's humility and there's unity and then there's faith. The third condition is faith. And that is, when God speaks to us about how to do the mission we're called to, it will almost always be beyond our capacity. It will almost always be beyond what we thought we could do or we thought was possible. And so we enter into the faith zone. It's kind of like Rod Sterling. You have entered the twilight zone but it's not the twilight zone, it's the faith zone. We enter into that place where we're pursuing what God is leading us to do and it requires us to, to get out of the safety of our comfort zone of what we think we can do. And so humility and unity and faith are the requirements for being able to discern God's personal word. So, He's faithful to his person, he's faithful to his promises, he's faithful to his personal word. And then the last thing I just want to touch on briefly, because I know it's really hot, and I see the fans going, is he's faithful to provide. The, the history of Shays Valley is filled with so many stories from the very beginning of God's faithfulness to provide. Because we almost always found ourselves in a place of needing provision, right? This is one of the critical realities of the Christian life. If you want to see God provide, you have to be in a position for God to provide, to need Him to provide. Whether that's relationally or emotionally or financially circumstantially, God wants to provide. And He does, and and He is faithful to His provision. Early on, we we came here uh, a week before the winter storm of 93. And um, we had one one service. We came to Shades Valley. Shades Valley was in a very challenging, very challenging place as a church. And uh, I came here to work with Don Newell uh, in kind of a in kind of a co-pastorate. And uh, one of the one of the places Shades Valley was challenged. It had a big budget, and it met the budget every week, and it spent the budget every week. Remember that. And so there were, there, were, there were like no reserves at all. And when it came here, uh, not only were there no reserves, but, but we were $26,000 in debt to our landlord for unpaid rent. And you know, we, we got our heads together, and we said, this isn't right, we gotta get out of this debt, and so um, we'll start setting aside some money every week until we get the 26,000, and then we're gonna write one check going to pay it all at once and so we began to accumulate some funds and we got up to about $18,000 and uh, everything I say looking back I have to say if memory serves me correctly I have to get but you know how that is but anyway I get a call from a guy named Buzz Veal. Buzz is an attorney in town and our landlord is an attorney in town and they know each other and I get a call and Buzz says hey I was thinking this morning about I wonder If I called him and we offered to write him a check today, I wonder if he would take less than the $26,000. Do you think I ought to do that? Now, Buzz didn't just wake up with that idea. That wasn't a Buzz thought. That was a Holy Spirit thought. And I said, absolutely, call him. So he calls him and he comes back later. He said, I called him and he said, You know, I got a property tax bill to do today for $12,000. You guys write me a check for $12,000 and I'll forget the rest. So so we, we went from really no really no cash. We went we went from no cash and then we, we suddenly had six thousand dollars because we only had to pay eighteen thousand dollars. No, we only had to pay twelve thousand dollars and we already had eighteen thousand dollars and God flipped the tables. Now that may not seem like much money today, but that was big for us as 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 a church. And so we we had come and, and I, what I was going to say is we had one Sunday one Sunday to meet and then we got snowed out, iced out. At least two Sundays, and maybe three more Sundays with almost no offering whatsoever. But God was faithful to provide. I remember I'm just going to flip to the other end. And I'm going to conclude cuz I remember when we were in this building, we had we'd been working on this building for I guess about a year, and we finally got a certificate of occupancy. The city was going to let us meet downstairs, but we could not go upstairs. And so we we began to meet, and I remember John Hendricks saying, we were like soldiers at the end of the Civil War. When we heard the war was over, we, we dropped our muskets and ran home. And we had done that because... After a year of working on the building, we didn't have any energy to do anything else. I mean, we just nothing happened. And then things began to stir about, you know, we really need this upstairs area. We need it for offices, and we need it for ministry, we need it for all kinds of stuff. So we decided on a Sunday that we would put forth the challenge. We needed, I think, $19,000 was estimated to, to finish it. We didn't have it. Well, that Sunday, Bob and Robin Rosser happened to come to church. The Rossers, many of you don't know them, but they had been a a very significant part of the body, and then they moved to Columbiana, and they had a farm down there, and we maintained connections, but they didn't drive up for church anymore. And this one particular Sunday, they decided to come. It happened to be that Sunday. We were challenging about the upstairs. And so we put forth the challenge, and after church, uh, Bob and Robin came walking up, and... Bob said, you know, we're going to have to rearrange a few things, but we just want to take care of all the renovations. Here's a check for $19,000. Now, people, I want to tell you that's God. And there are, there are hundreds and hundreds of stories in the life of Shades Valley that, that we could get around and sit around in a room and tell these stories of how God is faithfully provided. So do you agree with me this morning that God is faithful? agreed that He's faithful to His person and to His promises and to His personal word and to His provision. And we can always rely and depend on the promises of God. So it's great to look back. I love looking back. I love reflecting on the things God has done. But more importantly, it's important to look forward. Luke 9.62 is a verse that has always just for some reason stuck with me. He who puts his hand to the plow and looks back Is not fit for the kingdom of God. You know, you can't plow a straight row with a backward focus. And so while we look back to gain encouragement and to gain strength, the important thing is to look forward. And I know that those of you who are... uh, a part of Shades Valley and the daily life of Shades Valley, you know that God has a future and a purpose and a hope for what He wants to do because He, he is not finished. And He planted Shades Valley in West Homewood as a Jerusalem to be a blessing, not just to Jerusalem, but to, to Judea and to Samaria and to the othermost parts of the earth. God has always blessed this body with generous hearts and gifted hands. And I would encourage you, I'm not going to go there, I'd encourage you to go read Exodus 35 this afternoon. Take that passage and read that passage, and and every time you come across words like willing, able, uh, skillful, circle those words, and you'll see how when, when God wanted to build something, the Holy Spirit imparted to people generous hearts and gifted hands. And that's what Chase Valley has been blessed with. Well, let's move into communion now. And uh, I thought about this verse. I thought about uh, Nehemiah 8.10. I don't know what all is going on in your life and I don't know what all you're dealing with and, and facing. But I do know that God is faithful. And Nehemiah says, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks, and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is sacred to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength.